It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. to another Britflix uh, podcast covering the uh, the films that were shown at Fryfest. Um, the the film I'm covering now is I'm gonna get <laughs> I've never thought about saying it to someone until now. Um, ah, <laughs> am I right there? My, my guest is Steve Oram, writer director of Ah. Say well, that's the way you can say it. Yeah, I mean it, it's totally up to the. Individual, how they say it, really. You can say, ah, or ah, whatever you want, really. So I, I like what you're doing with it, going up. It's nice, majestic. <laughs> well, I must admit, when I was when, when using the, the medium of Twitter, I was it, it was there, it was there that I learned there was eight A's before the H. Yeah. You know, so, so I'll get my hashtag right, you know. Got to get the eight A's, or you'll, you'll end up following some sort of weird 17-year-old <laughs> boy in Argentina who's going, oh, so go on, so just for for the for the audience's benefit, do you want to give us a brief synopsis? Sorry, I should introduce you. You're, you're Steve Oram, um, the writer director of the film. Do you want to give us a brief synopsis of the movie? Yeah, well, R is um, a, a comedy horror film set in a in a dystopian world where there's no uh, dialogue. Everyone speaks like apes. So, uh, but the, but the world looks exactly the same as ours. It's all set in South London. Uh, you know, everyone has cars and things, and it follows follows a. Uh, Follows a marauding bunch of males who uh, who encroach on some territory and uh, ignite a feud with with a family, and uh, it's, it just follows that feud. And everyone just goes oh, oh, ah, ah, all through it. It's uh, yes, yeah, it's got Julian Barrett in it, Tori Wilcox. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's filth basically. <laughs> There's loads of sex and violence in it. That's that's my summary. Indeed, indeed, and obviously it played played as part of Fright Fest over over the Bank Holiday weekend. So it's it, and it does have its little choice. It has a couple of choice moments that you would that you would be, that are commonplace in a horror film. Yeah, that's right. There's some there's some extreme there's some extreme violence um, and uh, sort of bit, bits bits of gore uh, sort of dotted throughout it, and some yeah all, all kinds of yeah sort of ex- slightly extreme. It's a, it's a heightened world where people behave in. A slightly more heightened way. So there's a lot, a lot, you know, there's a lot of uh, quite aggressive uh, um, uh, physical actions, including fighting and ripping body parts and using body parts for other things and inappropriate sex all throughout it. So yeah, it's a, it's a slightly unsettling film, I think. Uh, now, I mean, I guess this, this, these references might be might not necessarily be one for the teenagers out there, but. Um, when I when I watched it, um, it, it, it reminded because of the the idea of these people looking like humans and behaving unlike humans. It reminded me of um, something because between Dennis Potter's Blue Remembered Hills and Eric Sykes' Rhubarb. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, that's a good a good call, a good reference. I mean, there's not there's not many people that, have, that do it really. It's not it's not a well used technique. 
And Blue Remembered Hills is amazing. I think I think it was a yeah, it was an influence on me really. Just the just the the incongruity of seeing grown adults behaving in a different way is quite. It's just a weird. It puts you in a strange state of mind, and you, you feel a bit unsettled. <laughs> no, no, totally, yeah, because you're watching you're watching what appears to be normal because they're dressed like you know man at CNA. They're not dressed particularly for the dystopian future. No, exactly, yeah, yeah. That's, that's something we tried really hard. We worked hard on in the film was to make them really normal, you know, and not barbaric, and not barbaric looking in any way. So, you know, I, I shaved my beard off and bought some clothes from River Island, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And we did the same for Tom as well, you know, got his hair cut all neat and, you know, we went to Next and had a little shopping session. So it was kind of a, yeah, it was, it was, it was that, it, that was what we were trying to do. And also, you know, making the home and where, where we live very, very ordinary and not, you know, very, it's not, you know, they're not rich, they're not poor, they're nothing, you know, they're just ordinary pe people living in a very ordinary suburb. And that was, you know, that was something we, we, we worked quite hard on, really. Now, I mean, now, obviously, you, you, you wrote and starred in Ben Whitley's uh, film Sightseers, and I remember from Miratli, you know, that was a those two characters that you and Alice Lowe created were were, were sort of born on the stage and developed for screen. Yeah. What, what was what was the genesis for the idea for R? <laughs> we never did it on stage. No. <laughs> well, <you could> <laughs> Although in uh, in a weird, the, the genesis of R really was it was just me finding that very uh just but it's been a lifelong fascination with me really just to how close we are to apes and primates and how we don't reference it in our real life very much we live in this rarefied intellectual existence where we we, we are somehow superior to all the rest of the world the planet the most successful species mm. and it's all bollocks isn't it we, we're just you know we are flesh and blood and the insects are doing better than us so are the rats and um it's uh it's uh, so it, it kind of, it's just something I've been thinking about for a long time and I did and then I did a a short film just based on the idea of some girls who are a bit angry about a gas bill and go and confront the gas the people at the gas bill company yeah and they, they don't they they speak like apes in it and uh, but they they just uh, have this disastrous sort of encounter with the man at the gas bill where they rip him rip him to shreds and eat him uh, and that I really loved I just really loved that um that uh you know the the sort of state it put you in so that is just just a long process and you know just it's made me kind of chuckle all throughout it which is kind of a sign that I think that I knew I was on something yeah because I, mean, I think one of, the, one of the strengths of it is that that you know it's it while it's funny to watch as as the audience you're not you don't you don't ever feel like it's ridiculing the idea of the world it's in. No, yeah, it's no, there's no, there's none of that at all. No, I, it's I, I'm just interested in the the story really, and and um, and everything. I was, you know, it's, it does have satirical kind of purpose, but it's more about people rather than a, yeah. anything other than that. More about us as humans, and it's it's affectionate, I think. And it, 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 my main thing was to just if it got a bit, you know just to make every scene have something funny or interesting in it, and that was just to deflect it from being too kind of, you know, dystopian. So it does, it, yeah, hopefully it keeps people enjoying it, you know, and laughing. Well, we'll see, yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's... Uh, it, <laughs> it may... I, I was certainly laughing. It was... It was um, in, in, terms of, in terms of writing something like this, once, once you've kind of 
once you're trying to sort of stew that idea of, of, of what's our relationship with our kind of ape evolutionary history and trying to bring that into our world. I mean, you actually, I mean, it plays quite, I mean, despite the absurd nature of what you're watching, it actually plays like a quite straight linear story, doesn't it? The narrative is actually quite straightforward in the end. It is an extremely, uh, it's, it's a straightforward, yeah, love story feud. Yeah. <laughs> you know, traditional, you know, and that that was an idea. I, I love that kind of idea of the straightness because it allows you to, to flip out in, in other ways. And I was concentrating on the details around that story as mm. a means to, you know, just as a journey through the film. And I, I just love doing all the little things like making a, an ape version of a cookery show and making an ape sitcom and all that kind of thing that they could mm. just be on TV. And, um, yeah, it's, it's oh, yeah, great. I, I, I love simple stories because I'm not very clever. So I just, <laughs> and, no, no, and I don't mean, and obviously I don't mean that as a criticism by any stretch of imagination. Yeah. What I mean is, is that it would have been easy to make this a very hard watch, which it, you know, it is at first. It's a bit like listening to, um, if you've never heard music before and you just put Sonic Youth on, you'd think music was a bit atonal. And, you yeah, know, yeah. and whereas, obviously, the, the, there is the absurd nature of what you're watching, but then there is, once you settle into, once you accept that's what's going to happen, you then begin to understand that this is just about the rivalry between people and what they want and what they need, which is a fairly traditional thing in, in, in films and certainly for ones that, you know, when you get that whole kind of 80 to 90 minute run. I mean, what was, what was for you, what was, what were the challenges then in, in terms of the storytelling aspect when you were trying to script this? Or in fact, how did you script it? Because there's no dialogue. So I did it all in, uh, I wrote it out all in, um, in English dialogue. So it was all, all the scenes were, were completely, you know, normally written. Um, yeah. And then when we got on set, we threw the script away and, Everyone went ape, and we they sort of translated the words. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, I I found it quite quite liberating to write, really, because I knew that the words would never be said. So I just wrote this mad script that I just, you know, was just coming up, coming out, coming out of me like diarrhea, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine having that, you know, no one knowing that no one's going to watch it. That will hear the hear the words, and uh, it ended up being quite quite good, I think. And then the challenge, the main challenge with 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 making it was was the the language itself. You know, when we came to do it with with the actors and making making sure that we had uh, something that uh, was coherent, made made sort of made a weird bit of sense that wasn't too jokey. That was it was a, so we, we kind of workshopped all these these ideas, and uh, yeah, eventually we got to this point where. I kind of just let the actors almost feel it in a in an actorly way, sort of meta way, and so they found their own inner ape, <laughs> and, uh, and then just let them do that. And everyone's slightly different, and yeah. But I think the world co coherently works. It was a workshop thing. It was an actor thing, man. And how long how long how long did you spend that on that before you went to the shoot? doing that kind of work? We didn't have a lot of time. We we just had what it was was we had a few few sessions. Where we had individual cast members because everyone's so uh, busy. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we kind of met up with everyone individually and worked on some of the scenes. But then it was a it was a constant thing of Tom Meaton and I would film ourselves running around, you know, running around our local park being eight, and then we send them round to to everyone just to just just to sort of finesse the language and how what we were trying to do with it and just 
that was the process really so it was, a, it was just a conversation over about six months and then when we did it it, it, it just it seemed to click right away you know which was which was brilliant you can you can you know actors love doing that because <laughs> you know it's it's just the the thing that you want to do when you if you're at acting school i think just run around take your clothes off pretend to be a, an animal i was going to say because i think i think for, for, for a non-actor person it would it would appear to be like from my point of view like the most frightening thing because in, in a way it's sort of make a titty yourself in some sense <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? If, if everybody, you know, it's almost like there's a fancy dress party, and then you're the only one that turns up fancy dressed. It's yeah. like be an ape for this film, and then it's kind of like, oh, we're not doing that now. You've, uh, <laughs> you know, it's that idea that you were the one left out, and it sort of. But obviously, that's not the. Obviously the film is everybody's in it, in on it, kind of thing. But from a non-actor point of view, there is that thing about how how do you do this right? How do you do it wrong? You know, and that's that's the profession of acting in a nutshell. It is. <laughs> it's a fine line between. Being really good and looking like a complete bell end, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I, I think you're, you're probably more likely to look, look like a tit in, um, you know, a terrible sitcom or a really bad, you know, just a really bad, awful mainstream drama <laughs> than in than in an ape film because you, you're just hanging yourself out to dry with these in those things sometimes. But, but with this, I, th I guess you're talking about the fear of. Yeah, not getting it right, but uh, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I think if you're if you're a certain standard of actor and you're a certain type of person, it's just the right people, you know. And a lot of people, so I knew that everyone involved in this would just go for it and embrace it, and mm. you just commit. It's just the act of being committed, even if you don't get it quite right, and but you're committed with a part like this, you'll you'll get you you will get it right. If you see what I mean. Mm. Um, and that's it, yeah, just trust, trust those people. If you don't already subscribe to BritFlix, just sign up for free at iTunes and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at BritFlix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. A lot of these people are from comedy backgrounds, so they're, they're really, really good at doing the physical stuff and the clowning stuff and, and it's it's almost second nature if you do comedy like people like Noel and Julian and uh, Tom and Sean and all these people Holly Dempsey as well so they're, they're, they're just and I think Toya in her although she hasn't worked in comedy she's been a stage performer so it's uh, it's uh, it's second nature really you just that's just something you get up in the morning and do you know you have your breakfast and then you go and you know do a bit of clowning or mime or something <laughs> <laughs> while you're having your toast. One of the things I asked, I asked I sort of everybody is, you know, obviously a, 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 a film is finite in terms of its finance and its resources. When you, when you were looking at that finished script and you were preparing the shoot, what, asks, what aspects of it seemed like the most insurmountable and how, how did you get around that? Well, the script was written with the, uh, with the minuscule budget in mind. Yeah. Um, it was from the outset of writing it. So I knew... I knew that it would be fine. All the locations would be fine, and, and the, um, it, it was. But the the main thing was, it was probably the actors and getting everyone, everyone I wanted in it, and uh, working around their schedules. Because when we, you know, we worked on a process of deferred payments and favors, so we couldn't we couldn't like if work came up for someone, we, we'd have to delay things. So it was it was a juggling act of of that, you know. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think it, it was keeping it simple. It was it was 
strangely not I wasn't worried about anything particularly other than that it was a, it was a came, this film's an extension of all these short films that I've done with my mates just in the park or around you know just in a very simple location so it felt like a continuation of that really but um just getting everyone I wanted because the actors are the main thing because they bring so much to it make it make it people people like watching them don't they <laughs> I mean I mean I guess I'm guessing these the, 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 most of the people have come from your kind of comedy background as people you know as opposed to people you cast um, yeah, yeah. Is, there, is, is there anybody on the cast that you, you kind of went to, to that you hadn't worked with before or knew Toya yeah Toya was the the main one okay because she because we needed a uh, yeah, 55-year-old woman who doesn't mind having doing embarrassing, terrible sex scenes, running around like a monkey and, you know, getting food chucked in her face and stuff. And so, you know, we we had a... I, I loved her work from Jubilee and all that. And Quadrophenia, yeah. uh, I thought, just, i oh, got to get, gotta get Toya in it. She, I know she'd be up for it. And she, yeah, she was just... Uh, just uh, sent her the script and she loved it and got back to me the next day and yeah it was brilliant. And I, thought, Lucy, I thought that might have been part of your West Midlands massive actually. You? That's right, yeah. She lives she lives quite near my mum and dad, yeah. In <laughs> <her story. laughs> and uh, yeah, she's uh, yeah she's a great character. Really, she she's so she's mind blowing and uh, I, you know I hope people cast her more in films because people seem to have forgotten how good she is and she's just an amazing actress, very funny. No, 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 you can see. I mean, she 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 uh, she holds her own against people we're used to seeing, sort yeah, of yeah. playing these kind of playing these kind of roles. You know, the likes of sort of Julian Barrett, um, obviously with the, with the mighty Bush, we kind of used to that kind of absurdism, but not. And you, when you think of things like Jubilee, it's like it's not. It's actually not. You know, it's not a million miles away for Toya, really, is it? So she was very. She was a lot younger then. Yeah, that's right. She's her grown the grown up version of. Uh, she's called Mad in Jubilee. <laughs> <laughs> And she's called Barabara in uh, in R. Yeah, yeah, I noticed, I noticed that in the credits. <laughs> this is the uh, this is the grown up version of, of that. I, I I like to think. Um, what was what was your discussion? Your your cinematography you work with. Um, yeah. uh, what what were the discussions there in terms of um, in terms of the style? Because it, it it does have it does have a feel of its own. I mean, certainly that. The initial, I mean, I was I was struck by the opening sequence where we're introduced to you and Tom, where, where you just basically lock a camera, don't you, really, looking into a woodland, and it plays almost like, if there was a narration going, in the wilds of South London, you <laughs> yeah. can see, you know, middle-aged yeah. men rubbing each other's knees or whatever, you know, whatever you want to do. But it doesn't do that, except what you see is action that, that, that that's almost mentally you're kind of flipping those blanks for the moment, and then you realise... Because I, 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 I must admit, I watched it for the first time not knowing what the conceit was about the no dialogue. Yeah. So I, just thought, I thought it was such an amazingly powerful way to sort of introduce that conceit. Because you're kind of like, I mean, it's like you do the when you watch it, you're, you're doing a double take. You're kind of going, what? What's he, what, what's he doing there? Why is he? And obviously, the, your, your kind of ideas of Hampstead Heath and what men might do start yeah. filling your mind. And you're kind yeah. of going, well, that's not happening either, is it? Yeah, it's all. It's yeah. It's it's. Uh, I guess that's the, yeah, the David Attenborough kind of thing we were thinking about a little bit, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I, we talked. It was Matt Wicks who filmed it, mm. who's who I've known for years. He's a he works in comedy a lot as well, and he uh, uh, we 
we wanted to make it a very a sort of intense experience in terms of uh, a, the the camera doesn't we're not we, we don't want to cut too much we just want to make make the camera move around and zoom in on things and just focus almost as if it was a a wildlife thing and then obviously when we got into the to the other scenes uh we uh, sort of the more involved scenes it does cut more and you know it's more traditional in some in some sections of it but yeah i love that kind of slightly voyeuristic thing and we often used a lot of long lenses as well so we were so we were we were just spying almost and uh it was it was uh yeah, it was really great, and and not too many takes as well. That was the other thing we did. We just we basically we worked the scenes up, and then we did them in one or two takes, and mm. partly for time. Obviously, we were really pressed for time, but of course, that was a, 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 I think just a, a really lovely way to work. And you don't even if it's not quite the perfect take, you just go with it and go with the spirit of it. And I think because yeah, as a that's the worst thing you can do. I think as a as a as a performer is just do a scene. 20 times i've done it so many times on things mm. you, you just get you lose all the energy of the scene so um yeah that was it and yeah matt was great because he, he knew you know he because of his comedy training he, he was very good at picking out all the bits that were going you know all the interesting bits that were going on in the scene and making sure they were framed it was very intuitive sort of organic kind of way of working and he, he was he was the perfect man for the job. Yeah, it's brilliant, brilliant fun working with Matt. Really and, in it, and in stark contrast, like you say, when you when you get to the more sort of domestic domestic scenes, I mean, I mean, I don't know whether whether you whether you think I was I was way off or not, but it, it, those those because obviously there's no dialogue. There's a lot about the way people communicate with the way they look at each other, yeah. and there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of kind of close ups on eyes, which is almost like like mimicking a spaghetti western. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> we we done we purposefully did did that. Yeah, it was the it was a the eyes the the eyes that you see in gorillas in in David Attenborough. It's it's that it's that funny the the sort of weird animalistic thing behind the eyes that you can't quite work out. I just love that that weird unsettling vibe. Um, but yeah, so it, it, we we worked hard on those little details and often they were kind of humorously driven and sometimes they were just let's focus in and get the intent the 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 horror the you know like when julian uh, and when sean maynard's challenging julian barrett at the table and they're they, they're just looking at each other just just going oh what, what do you what are you doing what are you do oh shit i'm scared i'm scared and it's that's all you need really you don't need no one needs words you just need eyes that's what i think well, I mean, and obviously that play, that plays true to your kind of the idea that these people are are apes, as it were, or we're meant to believe they're apes. Is and <clears throat> and was uh, was um, I mean one of my fa- one of my favourite my favourite scenes and and just showing that commitment of the cast was um, was Holly Dempsey's when you introduced Holly Dempsey's character. Yeah. I mean, that just really is kind of because you're kind of thinking this is that we're going to go out into the normal world now with the daughter. Let's see what the world's like out there, and then it appears to be perfectly normal yeah. until she gets an itch, and then it's kind of like right, okay, yeah, that is, and it's genuinely animalistic, isn't it? Even though it, again, you know, it's it's ridiculous at the same time because we're seeing a person do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we we get these uh, little itches as well. <laughs> no, we do, we do. No, no. I we just, to... but we just might not do it in the same way. But you know, it's uh, 
yeah, it was a, that was that was well, Holly was was really brilliant, and and she, uh, yeah, I, I loved I loved her. What she did with that character, she's just this uh, rebellious nutter. Um, um, but she, uh, yeah, again, that's world building and making 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 the world just expand and expand. I'd love to I'd love to just do more. I wanted to do more of them going out and wandering and causing mayhem because it was really, uh, it's really quite liberating and funny. <laughs> seeing you sort of just meeting all these weird people in the world. Um, but yeah, Holly's, a, Holly's, a, Holly was hilarious. She totally game for what she did in that scene with Noel and uh, uh, yeah, you know that's 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 an interesting day at work, isn't it? Indeed, indeed. What, what was what was the challenge like for you as sort of performer and director in the movie? How did you? Sort of balance those two disciplines, and obviously, as ultimately as the writer as well. Um, yeah. Well, it was it, it it was hard that that aspect of it. When I, obviously, I, it was because you you need time because you, you have to watch playback sometimes for to mm. see how the scene has worked in lot. You know, thinking about so many things. So just when I was actually performing, it was it just took I mean, it took lots longer, and it was much more. Much more stressful, but but I really uh, I trusted Matt, who who has a, has a really good you know it's just has a really good eye for things. So we, mm. we I, I ended up just going okay, well that's fine, <laughs> and it's a, it's a weird liberating thing as a performer as well. You, I, I've I've worked on it on the character obviously before quite a lot before and yeah. came to it. I, when it came to it on the day, I wasn't thinking about. What I was doing, it was just a very just get in the scene and do it, and it was uh, I quite like that way of working. You're not pacing around a car park and trying to chant your lines and getting all worked up. You just do it, which I think is probably the best way for for everyone involved. But yeah, it's, it's, t- it's tough directing and, and acting. I, I think people who do it, like Mel Gibson and people like that, and Clint Eastwood, they just they just have loads of money, don't they, and time, <laughs> so they just take their time doing it. But um, not not me. It's t- so next time, if I do it again, I'll just have to have loads of money. Or, or, or just direct. <laughs> or direct or just act, yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah, do that. Yeah. What, what's, your, what's, your, what's your... I mean, you, you talked about having sort of spoke to people beforehand and done a bit of workshop in, in the time you could get with the people that are in it. Then yeah. once you're on set and you're shooting the movie, what 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 are you doing to direct these people to do what you want? In the movie, because it's it's one thing, obviously, balancing your own performances with what you m- might want to do. Because obviously, when you're performing, you're in a it's like a micro moment, and when you're directing, it's a very macro view of the film, isn't it? It is, yeah. Uh, well, the the I think for me, the the whole thing was preparation. So we it was uh, I knew that all the actors and the ca- people and what they were doing were, were up to speed with with uh, you know every aspect of it. So we, we'd spent about, um, I think, seven or eight months. I, I met Toya sort of the end, yeah, like probably known her for about seven or eight months. We'd been speaking to everyone, so it was. I was really confident. Mm. And then when you get into the the when you went on the day, it was uh, it was making sure the scenes played and you could tell the story, and we were getting all the all the jokes and moments in, and um, you know, it was, it was a. As in terms of directing performances, it was just tweaking little little moments and making it. It was it wasn't like a big. I was never going and you know having a discussion, long discussions with people. It was more story stuff by that point. Mm. I, but I really enjoyed it. It was just they because they they 
there was a, there's a shorthand that exists with all these people, most of these people who I've known for years. Yeah. You just, I just, just totally trust them. So that made the whole process really uh, much, much easier than, than it would have been had I just cast some people and met them, you know, a week, two weeks before or something. So it was, it was a, it's a very, it's a, it's, it's a very unusual film, I think, for, I mean, that's the way, you know, that's the way I love working. So it's, a, it's, it's and it's, makes everything you, you, it means you can make a lot more of your time and your money and make it better I think but uh, yeah so I mean yeah so, so in, a, in, in a way it's kind of it, you, you, your, your experiences have evolved in part of the metaphor given, given the film like with, <laughs> with the people you've worked with and then when that coalesces into a film you're making there's, there's, you don't have to worry about what a director would normally have to worry about, as it yeah, were. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's storytelling and framing and uh, yeah. just making sure the scene works, really. Uh, yeah. but, uh, but acting and uh, um, the acting side of it and the performances are, are, are easy to do, really. Um, yeah, going to do 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 them all like that from now. I mean, there's 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 a history of people doing that, isn't there, with the with teams of ensemble, you know players that they people use all the time and some directors use all the time and that's why really because you well yeah i was going to say film film and tv is is i mean it's that thing where, where people look on from the outside in go you know why do they always work why are they always doing stuff together you know yeah. i mean it's, it's, how many films has scorsese now done with uh Leonardo dicaprio you know yeah. it's sort of and, and robert de niro it's sort of it's, it's not just because you know it's, <laughs> it's not just because of their own box office appeal you know it's it's <laughs> I guess you know, and and, um, and you look at so I mean, I guess something like a TV show like American Horror Story, where the whole cast from the first season is like a revolving door playing different parts in the yeah. subsequent seasons. It's sort of a fascinating process. Um, in in g given given the nature of the story and the performances stuff, what, what's amazing is, is is the kind of meta stuff you've you've sort of added in as well. You mentioned the the kind of ape cookery show and the and the sitcom we get towards the end but there's there's other ideas in there which are just kind of like a, you know i'm gonna have to watch it again to just sort of pick up i mean the, the obvious ones that i remember were like your like the video game controllers for example yeah, yeah. you didn't skimp on that you didn't go you didn't just cheat on that you thought i know what i'll do i'm gonna heighten video game controllers as well in this world i've created <laughs> yeah yeah it was those those details are i think are the, the, the kind of almost the sorry my phone's beeping at me uh, yeah, those those details I think are almost the, the most important uh, part uh, thing about a film like this, which is low budget. It's just you need to spend time on uh, on making making the world really believable and and having feeling like there's a there's a huge load of other stuff going around the house. You know, there's a, a world of the media, world of whatever the, the you know computer games, politics, everything, and it's a uh, I. I so yeah, spent spent loads of time doing that. It was great. It was, they were actually really great fun. And you know, if anyone wants to ever commission a sitcom where <laughs> a man just walks around, just like pretending to fall over, then you know, come and ch talk to me. It was like, <laughs> it was like it was just, it was, they were the funniest. The sort of because they exist in their own world. They were the funniest things to do in some way. Um, I was going to say yeah, because I mean that, that that you know obviously that 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 plays into I guess that plays into your own your own experience and abilities to write sort of sketch comedy stuff. But yeah, that was that was an amazing piece of like you know meta stuff within your film to have. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. 
it's uh, yeah, I would I'd definitely uh, definitely do that again. I, th- I think they're great. Just for the audience to to feel the detail. That's 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 what you you know those things that are it's quite surprising, aren't they? And, and, and it all happens quite quickly. It's levels of detail. That's that's what I'm all about. No, no, no. I mean, and like I say, when when they sat down together in in the living room with the um, with the chopper handlebars. Yeah, yeah. So, so you've established a brand, like what is essentially a normal flat screen TV. Yeah. And then you go, right, let's play some video games. And they're sat there with chopper handlebars on their laps. And it's kind of like... Yeah, that's, it's just... It, I, I, I like the... Uh, I drew, when I was writing that, I drew loads of pictures of what they, sh- what they should be. And that it just seemed obvious that they'd have massive chopper handlebars and... Uh, it's quite in that childishness and sort of almost sweetness of it after he's just given him a massive beating. It's quite, mm. made me laugh quite a lot. <laughs> now, is, 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 is the film, is, is R got a release date now, a formal release date? I mean, I need some screens of Q&As and stuff, but... Yeah, we do, well, we, we, we don't have a traditional theatrical release. What, we, what we're doing is uh, we're doing one-off dates all around the country. Okay. Check out my website, lincolnfilmstudios.co.uk. Okay, I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, which has um, uh, all the dates on it and things. So, yeah, we do, we, but we have our, um, our VOD release, which we're on the Fright Fest Presents Icon uh, label. And okay, brilliant news. We're being released on October the 19th, so anyone can buy it anywhere in the world on. VOD uh, on, you know, I, I'm not sure what platforms we're, we're on yet, but all the major ones, hopefully. Um, yeah, I mean, I must, yeah, just, I just, that, that just got announced. I mean, yeah, yeah, by, by the trade press, didn't it? It did, yeah. So that's, that's really exciting. And then there'll, there'll be a physical release in, uh, in in the new year. But but meantime, catch oh, the best the best place to see it is the cinema. So you know, I mean, we we we've got to deal with Picture House Cinema, so they're taking us around doing doing these one off dates. Hopefully, like a bit like the old midnight movie kind of stuff, and yeah. you know, do, do, I'll, I'll be turning up to most of them and doing a Q and A, and you know, making eight noises and stuff. So, if anyone's interested, come down. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. Now, obviously, this was your first. This was your first feature film. Yeah. Um, as as a, as a director, um, what 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 would be kind of one or two sort of lessons learned for yourself that you could pass on to any first time filmmakers, sort of. On the brink of doing their first feature film. Uh, well, I, 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 I mean, I, I'd say I'm really pleased and proud of what I did. I don't, I, I, I'm not, I don't feel like I that there's any anything that particularly went wrong. I mean, the only, the, only, the thing is preparation. I, you know, when you've got no money, hmm. everything you need to spend. You cannot spend too much time on on stuff beforehand because every little detail of every single scene needs to be thought through, and you get this at every level of filmmaking yeah. that, that you that you come across. Even really quite big budget stuff is, you might be in a scene and then someone goes, "Oh, we haven't thought about that." Oh God, shit! And then the the art department or whoever or some other person is scrabbling around to to do, to find something that you need for the scene and or them or something some dynamic hasn't been properly worked out between the actors or something whereas with 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 R it, it was it was kind of a a a, a, a total uh, sort of a thorough it's like the most thorough 
preparation you could ever imagine. And you know that's what you know we were talking about the all the little inserts for the for the films and you know the, the computer game and all that. And that that's that's an aspect of that. You know, I was you know it's just I would say if you're doing if anyone who's doing films, don't rush into it. Just think about it and work with your actors and make sure everything's right before you before you even press record on your camera. No, no, that, that seems to be the common, the common. I mean, like I say, this is like the twenty twenty fourth we've done out of out of fright fest. Speaking to filmmakers, and it it does seem to be the common thing is that the more you can sort of prep people before they turn up on set, and you you mentioned about like doing a bit of workshopping, and obviously then there's your kind of itinerary list of what every scene needs, so that yeah. the moment when you're about to shoot, you're not scrabbling around for. I don't know, just a, just something as simple as a red jumper. If you've got to drive into town to pick a red jumper up, then you've got a load of people sat around, yeah. not making a film, haven't you? Yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, one one last question we like to ask everybody on Frightfest, Frightfest on Britflix um, is to recommend us um, or tell us that when for Frightfest I was doing favourite British horror movies, right. Um, do, do you have a favourite British horror movie? Favourite British horror movie? Oh, God. Um, well, my my favourite horror movie is The Island of Lost Souls. Okay. Um, because of the strangeness of it. I'm just trying to think of uh, my favourite British one. Well, I like American Werewolf. That's pretty good, isn't it? You can have that. I mean, people have had that one. I know there are other people that would hang me for say, for including that as a British horror movie, but that's I'm not that precious. Uh, and, and what next then for yourself? Is, is there anything in the pipeline you can talk about? Um, yeah. Uh, there's a. I've just been doing quite a bit of acting this year, so there's a there's a film I'm I'm in that's called A Dark Song, which is an occultism horror film. Okay. Uh, which uh, in which I play an occultist. Who cool. goes, who, who's, who's directing that? It's uh, a director called Liam Gavin. He's an Irish director. It's an Irish film board thing. And uh, yeah, that's going to be really cool. Yeah, go about an occultist and a girl who go off to a to a remote house in in the middle of nowhere and perform this Crowley esque ritual for months on end. It's really uh, it's really full on and uh, pretty yeah pretty pretty horrific. That's horror horror film horror. Um, oh, that sounds good. That's coming out next year, and yeah, working on the next. I'm working on the next um, next film that I'm going to direct. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be in it. Yeah, I'm just going to do it from from the back, <laughs> from behind the camera. All behind the camera this time. Well, from behind the camera, and uh, yeah, so that's so I'm, I'm just working on that. So we, we should be filming filming that next year. But it's another dystopian, weird comedy thing, which uh, yeah. Very excited about. You got the it... right dialogue for this one, or is it? Is it? Big dialogue in it. Shit. <laughs> and, um, and it's got a lot of the same same team as well. We worked Brilliant. on. So uh, yeah, carrying on on all that. Yeah. Well, look, best best of luck with that. And so so I'll put in a link to the website that shows yeah. where people can see it if if this podcast gets out in time. And October the nineteenth is the digital release with the Fright Fest presents an yeah. icon release. Yeah. For everyone That's to see. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. Well, best of luck with it. I really enjoyed it. Um, and I hope other people do too. All right. Brilliant. Nice one. Thanks very much. Cheers. Bye now. It's the Britflix Fright Fest Preview Podcast Series.
If you don't already subscribe to BritFlix, just sign up for free at iTunes and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at BritFlix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. Another season of the Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find the Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Palmetto Porch.